talking about favor, right? And so sometimes we can think in our religious minds, for those of us that have them, and some of us who don't have any religion, but we heard some preaching that said, hey, if you get Jesus, everything going to be perfect. And so we think if we walk in favor, then we're not going to have any problems. Everything's magically going to be A-okay and perfect. Unfortunately, that's not true. <laughs> Does anybody in the room love Jesus? Just raise your hand. Has anybody had some bad stuff happen in your life? Yeah. Yeah, that's life, right? But Pastor laid this out this last couple of weeks, and he talked a lot about God being an ambidextrous God. And he had that boxing illustration, and he was like, you know, sometimes God's just setting you up with the left, with the left, with the right, and then you come across with the right hand. And I, and I knew, like, when he was doing that, I was like, if I get up there and act like I'm boxing, I'm going to look like a fool. And Because, like, he looked believable. Can anybody give me an amen on that? Because I was like, man, he was up here. I was like, dude, I don't want to get in a fight with him. But I was like, I don't, I don't do boxing, but I do do basketball. And so I thought I worked with what I know. Um, but there's this idea that the circumstances we go through define our, our lives, define whether or not we're walking in favor. And so we've looked at two guys in the Bible, Job and Joseph, who illustrate that it is possible to walk in favor regardless of what our circumstances look, right, look like. And so we've looked at these two lives, and you know, you look at Job, he was a pretty rich guy, he had everything going for him, he had seven sons and three daughters, he was blessed, he was offering sacrifices to God, and then, I don't think this is the wrong expression, then all hell broke loose in his life, and he lost it all, and his friends, they tried to convince him that it was all his fault, that all this bad stuff was happening, but Job never cursed God. He never cursed God. And then you've got Joseph, who was kind of the favorite child. And his father loved him. We'll read that verse here in a moment. And everything was going good in his life. And yet, then he ended up in a pit. And then in a prison. In slavery. Well, actually, pit, then slavery, then a prison. And then somehow he ended up in a palace, second only to Pharaoh he became one of the most powerful men in all of the world. So their end was better than their beginning. I mean, nobody's going to argue with that, right? Their end was a whole lot better than their beginning. And so it begs the question, when did these guys start walking in favor? I mean, were they walking in favor at the beginning or only at the end when everything was looking really good? And then it makes us question, well, when are we walking in favor? Because it's very easy to get the mentality that when things are good, I'm in favor. I mean, when the bank account's full, my relationships are awesome, all you singles, that girl, that guy, they called you back, you went on a date, they think you hung the moon. This is the one, you're going to get married. I'm walking in favor, hallelujah, Jesus. When you're healthy and strong and your family's healthy and strong and Maybe God's using you to impact people, to make a difference in people's lives. When all that's true, man, I'm walking in the favor of God, right? But what about those times when, when the bank account's not full? And you're not physically healthy or strong. Or maybe somebody in your family is getting attacked with sickness or disease. Or maybe you lost someone to sickness or disease. What about when your relationships feel completely dysfunctional and 
toxic more than blessed and prosperous. I mean, if, if you relate to any of those things, then, then you're not walking in favor, are you? Or are you? Because when we read the Bible, that whole concept that I just laid out, the contrast between life's good, in favor, life's bad, you're not walking in favor, guess what? It's not biblical. Let's look at what the Bible says about these two guys at the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. Because we've got to recognize where they were at at the beginning before we can look at where they were at in the end. And so when you look at Job in the beginning, Job 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz, Uz, however you say that. I mean, it's two letters. How can you mispronounce that? I, uh, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East." I mean, I don't know about you, but that beginning sounds pretty good. Would anybody take that beginning to be the greatest in all the land? But can I tell you something? I don't care what your beginning looks like. Because if you'll recognize and tap into the truth that you are a son or a daughter of God, no matter what your beginning looks like, your end's going to be better, and you're going to walk in God's favor at a level you've never known before. But I can believe that, but it doesn't matter until you believe that. You've got to grab hold of that and take that into your belief system to begin to believe who you are. And then there's Joseph. Let's read those verses in Genesis 37, just verse 3. This is his beginning. Everybody say beginning. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. I read that as I was preparing for Dan. I just, oh my goodness. Do you realize what, see, this is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant before Jesus came. And this relationship between Israel and Joseph, it's a shadow of how God sees you and me. See, he was the son loved more than all the others. And see, you and I, New Testament, Jesus living on the inside of us. Jesus, at his baptism, God the Father spoke down out of heaven and he said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so when I read he was most loved, I read that, see, when Jesus lives on the inside of me, See, Jacoby, God looks down out of heaven. He looked down out of heaven, Jacoby. Oops, I don't want to steal your coffee. Sorry, I get a little excited. And he says, this is Jacoby. Let the world know. This is Jacoby. This is my son. In him I'm well pleased. I love him. Not Listen, not based on what Jacoby does or does not do, but based on who he is, his identity. Jacoby, you don't walk in favor based on your performance. You walk in favor because you're a son, because you're a daughter of God. Well, you're not a daughter, but your wife's daughter. You, you know what I'm saying? So when you look at this 
and you see this shadow of where we're at and you see their stories. But here's the deal. In the beginning, everybody say the beginning. In the beginning, Joseph and Job, they were questioned. They were doubted. They were attacked. They were hated and betrayed in the beginning of their story. And yet, they never stopped walking in God's favor. They weren't just favored in the end. They were favored in the beginning. But because they chose, because they made a decision, regardless of their circumstances, to say, I know who I am, I know who my God is, and I'm never going to give up faith on him and on who he's called to me, called me to be and what he's called me to do. And so at the end of their life, everybody say the end. At the end, they were more blessed than in the beginning. At the end, they, they walked in favor in the beginning, but in the end, they were walking in a greater level of favor, a greater expression of that favor in their life. Because at the end, no one was questioning them. No one was doubting them. Job, we'll read it later, he was twice as blessed. No one doubted that the blessing of God was on his life. Joseph, second in command to Pharaoh, most powerful man in the world. No one questioned him anymore. No one doubted the gifting that God had placed on the inside of him. In the end, everybody say the end. So what's the difference between how you begin and how you end? What's, what happens from here in the beginning of their lives to over here in the end of their lives? I'll give it to you in one word. Practice. <laughs> practice. Favor needs a place to practice. And that place is called time. Day by day. Walking it out. Day by day building character in our lives over the course of time, day by day by day. Favor needs a place to practice. That place is called time. And guess what? You and I, we got plenty of it. But what happens is we end up diminishing the importance of our practice phases in our life. By the way, you don't go through that phase once. It's a cycle. Because just when you practiced, you got through that, oh my gosh, I don't know how I survived that and I got through it, but you get through that and you're like, wow, I'm, uh, there's something different about where I'm at. There's a new level that I'm walking in. And then just when you think you got it, then you go into another practice phase. But that practice phase is what's developing you and growing you. Let me give you a definition of practice. Practice is the repeated exercise in or performance of an activity or skill so as to acquire or maintain proficiency in it. So a doctor practices medicine. An attorney practices law. And a basketball player playing in March Madness practices basketball. And the more you practice, the longer you practice, the better you become. Which leads me to the first point I want to hit. And that's this, in order for favor to function, it takes time. Could you all say that with me? In order for favor to function, it takes time. Um, see, doctors don't become doctors overnight, and lawyers don't become lawyers overnight, and Jake, 
Joseph and Job didn't become twice as blessed overnight. And you're not going to become, you're not going to step into the greatness for which God has created you overnight. Here's the problem in our society as I see it. We live in an instant gratification world. We want to have it my way right away. We want to microwave it and get it quick. We want 90 days to get the life that we dream. We want 21 days to the flattest abs you've ever known. We want it now. Everybody say now. And so practice has lost its value in our society and in general. Now consider Joseph's story and how practice played a part in that. If you're familiar with Joseph's story, um, in the beginning of his story, he was a dreamer. God gave him dreams and visions, and so God gave him a dream. In the beginning of his journey, Joseph got a dream, and he went blabbing about it to his brothers. Hey, now, see, I don't know if he knew what the dream meant or if he didn't, because it was all about his brothers and how they were going to bow down to him, right? I mean, he's a brother, right? So maybe he did know, I'm just saying. But he went blabbing all about it. And where did he end up? Because he went blabbing to his brothers in the pit, sold into slavery. But in the end of his journey, he exercised restraint. His brothers are standing in front of him. They don't know who he is. He's the, the second in command of Pharaoh. He's standing in front of them. But does, they walk in, and he's like, hey, I'm your brother. I'm your man. I'm your daddy. Look who's laughing now. No, he didn't. He exercised restraint because the time, the practice had developed a maturity in him that he was able to stand in a place of authority and favor and the blessing of God differently than the way he stood in the beginning. So we've got to place a high value on the practice seasons of our lives. Because if, if we don't, favor can't function in our lives. In order for favor to function, it requires time. You know, you can take any sports great of all time, and they did not get there overnight. Real quick, just for a survey, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Just shout it out. Michael Jordan, thank you for the right answer. Joseph, I appreciate that. LeBron's good, I'll give you that. But did they get there overnight? No, it took practice. Now, I'm no superstar. But I played a little ball in my day, you know. I played, started playing in grade school and played all the way through high school. Won a couple championships in high school. Went on, got recruited for college basketball, even if it was NAIA Division Four. but hey, it still counts. Go Asbury Eagles. But I'll never forget the summer that changed everything for my basketball career. And Anyways, it was... I was never the highest score, but I always wanted to get better. And so the summer after my freshman year of playing ball, my mom and dad decided to send us to a basketball camp. Not just any camp, it was a shooting camp. The Dick Bumgardner shooting camp in Indiana, I believe it was. And so you go to this camp for five days, you don't play any games. All you do is shoot every day. You do one-on-one -on -one evaluations. 
They coach you, they break your bad habits, they give you new habits, and they drill it into you with hundreds of shots every day. Where's my help? Um, and so they get you right here at the hoop. And they say, all right, shoot the basketball. I'm like, well, I've been playing ball. Come on, let's start with some real shots. Let's come back here, right? No, 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 start right here. Right here, and they drill into you that this is the hardest shot in basketball right here. Ouch. Because if you can sit here, right here, three feet out, and make it consistently, then you can make a shot from anywhere. And so this is where I got a rhythm, the same rhythm of shooting, the same warm-up I do every time I step on the court. Pierce has played with me. I do the same thing. He sees me come right here to the front of the hoop, and he doesn't know this part, but in my head, I'm repeating the same thing. Shoulder square, elbow in, no chicken wing. He always, I had a chicken wing issue. I, no, no arm out here like this. Elbow in. Eyes on the hoop, not eyes down. Eyes on the hoop, bend and lift. Follow through. You got to hold the follow through, bend and lift. Follow through. And then, and only then, after you shoot here, and you make four or five, preferably right in a row, and you keep shooting here, then, then and only then do you take a step back. And then you come here, and you begin to shoot back here. And see, if I didn't warm up, I wouldn't have gotten that roll right there. Didn't get that roll. I tell you, I was making a whole lot more yesterday, Chris. Ouch. Pierce, I might have to, you know, back up and let you shoot. There you go. See, the hard part is preaching and shooting. Like if y'all weren't there. So you warm up here, you make four or five here, and then you're able to set back here and say, all right, now shoot from the free throw line. And you keep going back here. That one's off. And you keep shooting here. And then when you make four or five here, which I was doing easily last night, I'm just saying. When you make four or five there, then do you go to the three-point line? No, you don't go to the three-point line. Then you work around, and you come over here, and you shoot from the baseline, and you shoot here, and then you come here, and you work all the way around to that baseline, and you do that until you're making them at every position, every time. And then if you're a three-point shooter, yeah, then maybe you can step back here, and you can shoot back here. But only after you warm up, up here. Here's my point. You've got to value the practice. I've been doing this same routine, I'm feeling old on this, for 26 years, Pierce. 26 years, I do the same thing every time I come out. And I'll tell you this, if I just go out and play and I don't do my routine, I don't make as many shots. But if I do, then I make shots. Because there's practice. Because I did something long enough that I don't have to really say it in my head anymore because it becomes habit and I don't have to think about it anymore. And so we've got too many Christians that want to come back here and just, whoa, catch that. We, we want to be T.D. Jakes lobbing from the deep ground, right? It doesn't work that way. You've got to value the practice. You've got to get up here and say, okay, okay, 
that person at work, they're hard to love. I'm going to love them anyways. See, I missed that for a reason, yeah. I'm, I'm not making what I want to make right now, but you know what? I'm going to tithe off of that right now. It's not what I want to tithe, but you know what? I'm going to do it now. That person I need to forgive, whew, that's tough. It's tough, but you know what? Um, they just were mean at work. It wasn't like they betrayed me and ruined my entire life. They were mean at work, so I guess I'm going to practice forgiving now. I want to preach. I feel called to preach. And they asked me to clean toilets. <sighs> toilets? Okay, God, I'm going to practice. I'm going to put a value on it. By the way, my first day on the job, the first task I was given, he didn't give it to me, actually. The first task I was given was go clean the toilets. That's how we roll around here. you got to be willing to clean toilets before you can step back here and have other opportunities for God to use you. If you want to be used, you've got to go through the process of working the practice. You cannot start back here. It doesn't work that way. We've got to return to a place where we put value on the season that we're at, the moment that we're in. In the book of Zechariah, it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Let, let me just read that to you because the second part of it really hits. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices. Well, one of you stay up here, actually. You can, you can sit on the edge there, Chris. The Lord rejoices, listen to this, to see the work begin. See, the work didn't begin back here. The work doesn't begin with championships. The work doesn't begin playing ball and cost. The work does not begin with you preaching in front of thousands. The work doesn't begin with you writing million-dollar checks to the church. The work doesn't begin with you leading the ministry area. The work doesn't begin with all your family looking at you and saying, man, they're blessed. No, 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 no. The work began up here in the little things. In the little things until the little things become instinctive, until they become habits. And only when we respect this moment, we respect the small beginning, only then is God able to promote. Only then is God able to draw out the greatness that's on the inside of us to step us into the destiny he has for us. When we respect the small thing. Let me see if I can get one. Yes, thank you. Okay. Oh, oh. Let me give you this other thought. Practicing favor never looks like the finished product. Oh, my goodness. Practicing favor never looks like the finished product. This never looks like the winning, game-winning shot. This up here is boring and monotonous and sometimes painful. I mean, when you're practicing, you're running sprints and you're dying and you, like, literally, you feel, how many have been there? You feel like you're going to die in that practice. It's not fun. Favor does not, practice does not look like the finished product, but if you don't put the practice in, you're never going to get to the finished product. You've got to be willing to say, all right, God, I'm going to do whatever you put in front of me to do. I'm going to practice over the course of time. Look at Job. Do you think Job felt very favored when he was losing everything? I mean, do, do you think it felt good for his kids to die, his money and his riches, his fortune to go all the way away? Well, let's let Job answer. Job 3, verse 10. Curse the day for, fall, for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead 
Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breast? Had I died at birth, I would, not be, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. Can you imagine Job's Facebook feed during this time? Job, feeling shunned by God. My children are dead. I've lost my fortunes. I wish I was never born. It's not bright and cheery, is it? You know why I'm on social media? Here's the problem with social media, y'all. We look at social media like it's reality. Instead of recognizing that it's not, it's just the highlights. It's, it's just the highlight reel of our life. Instead, we, we act like favor is about the peaks. Favor is about the victory. Favor is about arriving at our destination. When in reality, favor is about step by step by step over time, growing into the greatness that God has placed on the inside of us. Because we can't get there overnight. It takes time. Everybody say, it takes time. Everybody say, it don't look like the end in the beginning. But we've got to see the end at the beginning. See, Job and Joseph, they had something to hang on to because they knew who they were and they knew who their God was. Let me ask you, those of you that love the game of basketball, you have a player who is a shooter, like true shooter. They're having a couple low scoring games. They're not in their rhythm. Coming up to the next game, they miss their first few points. You're the coach. What do you tell them to do? Keep shooting. Why? Because if it's, they're really a shooter, their shoot, that shooter's going to keep shooting, and what's going to happen? They're going to start making. They're going to start hitting because they're a, they are a shooter. Malik Monk, come on. Like, he had a couple games down, right? You know, wasn't scoring a lot. Was anybody standing back saying, oh, he's all washed up, never going to score again? What was everybody saying? He's due. Look out. First half, wasn't scoring much, but second half comes out on fire. Hits four three-pointers, leads them to that victory right along De'Aaron Fox. Did either one of them arrive at that place of skill level overnight? No, it took a whole lot of practice over time, and it took a belief of knowing who they were, even when it didn't look like who they were was coming to pass, even when it didn't feel very good, because it don't feel good to miss when you're a shooter. Why do I bring that up? Because... There are too many Christians in a shooting slump. And you've gone lost your mind thinking that you're all washed up and never going to amount to anything. There are too many Christians who they've had a bad week, bad month, bad year. You fell into a little bit of that sin. You've got a vulnerability that makes you feel weak. You've got some relationships that aren't quite working out the way you want. Your career is kind of rocky, and you're like, I should have been at a different place by now. And you're in these circumstances, and you're like, well, I guess I, I just better take my seat. I'm done. I can't get out there. I can't walk in that favor. I can't be who God's called me to be. Stop it! Just look at somebody and say, stop it! Be who God created you to be. If you are a child of God, and you are, you just have to accept that position. 
You just have to make a choice. You can do that today before we get out of here. Accept the position of who you are and recognize no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, you are destined for greatness. God has put purpose and calling and destiny on the inside of you. The next time something bad happens in your life, I want you to look at that thing and say out loud. You might be looking at a person and they're going to be like, what the heck? They lost their mind. Just look at it and say, this is just another opportunity to practice. Look at that bill and say, I walk in favor. This is just practice. I'm going to trust God right now with the $30 bill so that when it gets over here and I need a million dollars to do what God called me to do, I already practice over here so it's no big deal over here. I'm going to trust God over here when I got a cold my kid's sick. I'm going to believe for healing and speak the word of God, plead the blood of Jesus over my kid. So right now here, so if somebody in my family is dealing with cancer, I've got the confidence to step in, to step up and come back here and say, that's nothing, I got it. Woo! Nothing but net. But you've got to know who you are. You've got to not relinquish your identity. Because too many people in the beginning, everybody say the beginning. We believe, we get saved, we're on fire, we love God. Then the trials come and the obstacles come, the challenges come. And we stop right here. And we never get to the end that God intended for us. Pastor quoted it last week. Um, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Because if you will keep going, you will step yourself into the destiny, the calling, the greatness that God has placed on the inside of you. It takes time. Everybody say it takes time. Everybody say, don't look like in the beginning what it does in the end. You are a child of God and you're walking in favor. So I don't know where you're at today. You might be in a place where you've been trying to crank all this junk up back here. Look at my half court shot. Look at me. I'm awesome. And God's like shaking his head and saying, would you just come back up here and get to the fundamentals? Would you get in the word again every day? Would you pray about everything? Would you worship me every day? Would you quit walking in here and spectating and saying how awesome this worship team is instead of getting your own praise on and praising him even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it? Get back to the basics. Loving people, forgiving people, dreaming again the way God has put on the inside of you. His thoughts are bigger than your thoughts. Stop holding on to those limiting beliefs, that small thinking, and begin to be who he's called you to be. Do the basics. Or maybe you're in that beginning place and you're somewhere in the middle and, and it looks horrible. It don't look good. God's not done. He's working and you don't see it. Just like he was for Joseph, just like he was for Job, he is working and you don't see it. Hang on if you're in the middle place and just look at it and say, all right, I'm practicing. I'm I'm becoming great and you don't even know it. Devil, you thought you were taking me out, you're just raising me up. Because I'm... The way I practice is how I'm going to play. And brother, I'm going to practice right now like you've never seen practice. And I'm going to step into greatness.